2 Thessalonians 1, verses 1 through 4. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Therefore, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfast and faith and in all your persecutions and in the afflictions that you are enduring. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, so here we are in Paul's second letter to the church of Thessalonica. And, uh, you know, we have kind of a standard Paul greeting. Um, you know, one of the kind of interesting things here is uh, we, we see sort of like the the Greek iteration of Silas's name. So Paul, Silas, and Timothy, but he calls him Sylvanus. Um, so, you know, put that in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> and uh, then uh, we have, you know, kind of this typical Thanksgiving intro. Um, and another interesting thing is actually in the original Greek, verse 3 through 11 is one long sentence. Uh, where they're getting the engine all revved up and it's typical Pauline like typ- hamburger sentence. Oh just, yeah. Oh yeah. So we're kind of like looking at the beginning of a big thought hmm. and uh, you know, second Thessalonians is all about um, the end times. It's all about eschatology, uh, which means this will be really easy to parse through and really easy to <laughs> cleanly understand and have very firm uh, hill to die on type views as we come out of this. Um, so we're in second Thessalonians, uh, Billy, what do you, what do you see as we kind of get into it just in the book in general or, uh, yeah. in, in this specific, uh, passage that we're looking at today. Yeah. Well, just kind of dealing with the greeting. Um, I find it inter- interesting that, that Paul, you know, the author of the letter includes Silas and Timothy. Um, it, it just speaks to, um, I think his, his humility, but also, um, also just his, the, the authority that God's given him as an apostle. Um, so he's including Silas and Timothy likely kind of like their, I don't know, his secretaries, if, if you will, or his, you know, his disciples that he's training up. Um, but, but Paul's saying, you know, he's there, there's, there's an authority that comes with this, this letter as he greets this church, mm-hmm. um, you know, typical Paul, Paul greeting grace and peace to you. But then we get into verse three and, um, and, and immediately, you know, we just see this, this thanksgiving that arises in Paul. And what is, he, what is he so thankful for on behalf of this particular church? Well, he's, in, he's encouraged by this church. I mean, it's, it's kind of different than the church at Corinth, right? And yeah. he's very encouraged uh, by this church. Why? Because they're exhibiting faith. They're exhibiting supernatural faith that is producing something. What is that faith producing? It's, it's growing love in mm-hmm. them. It's, it's, it's not just this like, you know, this, this, I don't know, this small picture of love, like this faith is producing supernatural love, um, for every one of them and it's increasing. And then what else is that faith producing? It's faith. It's producing steadfastness. So not only is it producing love, it's producing steadfastness in the face of persecution. Mm -hmm. And so Paul's man, Paul is just, he is so, um, just grateful to God for the evidence of grace in their life to love one another and increase in love in the face of opposition um, and persecution. And so it's just, I think it's just a beautiful kind of start to the letter. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, Second Thessalonians. It was it was written pretty shortly after First Thessalonians, and it's a little bit of like a cleanup job. Um, not that First Thessalonians is not good, but basically when it started to uh, spread through the church, there were some misconceptions that kind of came. So I'm looking at First Thessalonians five right now. So the like the landing point, and you know. Uh, the beginning of First Thessalonians five is this passage on the day of the Lord, and you know Paul is talking about how the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night, and you know that there's this unexpectedness. So like, don't don't sleep, like be watchful, be ready, and uh, that got misconstrued in mm-hmm. Thessalonica as, mm-hmm. oh shoot, what if we miss it? Mm-hmm. Like I slept last night, <laughs> you know. And, uh, you know, what did Jesus come back? Like, am I living in this like post-apocalyptic thing? Uh, you know, left behind Kirk Cameron, literally, literally. (laughs) So they kind of had their, their own like left behind TV series that was spreading through the Thessalonica. (laughs) And Paul was like, Paul, Silas and Timothy were like, oh no, let's get ahead of this one. And so, uh, that's a lot of, uh, what is happening here in this letter. It's, it's shorter than first Thessalonians. Um, I think it's just three chapters, and uh, so basically, it, it's really pushing into um, what life looks like now as believers who are expectant for the day of the Lord. But, you know, as we're going to see, also, we can't just be sitting around smoking the peace pipe, like, you know, waiting for Jesus to come back. Exactly. And yeah. strangely, you know, that's Horatio Spafford who wrote uh, It Is Well With My Soul, one of like the greatest uh, Christian songs of all time. He actually fell into what Paul is trying to address. He, um, after the tragedy of losing his family, he kind of went off the rails a little bit and he moved to Israel and started this kind of like culty little thing where they were literally, he, he moved to the promised land with this like small group of other people to literally like sit there and wait and watch for Jesus to like descend on Jerusalem. And, uh, so Sadly, I think he he missed the counsel of Second Thessalonians, which is that there's this watchfulness that's also tempered with productivity and sober mindedness and standing firm and uh, keeping on keeping on in some sense. So the the context is is pretty interesting. And then uh, you know I I love the way that Paul's letters to the church start, and I actually think that it's something that I wish we modeled a lot better mm-hmm. um, in in the time that we live in, um, you know, the epistles deal with really heavy, complicated pastoral church issues, you know, everything from sexual immorality to, you know, oppressing the poor to, uh, you know, idleness because of, you know, bad eschatology, like all, all these things ranging from really practical to really like heady and weird. And, uh, yet, the the flavor that these epistles really start with is a pastoral love and this idea that like i we we cherish you we as leaders of the church we cherish you we're proud of you we're boasting about we're you boasting about you. we tell other people about right. you and um you know there there's a lot of like one thing we've not stopped doing is we certainly as churches still um you know correct each other and maybe critique each other but there's not always it's it's actually rarely from my vantage point kind of cloaked in this sense of of gratitude and love and companionship and so 
I think that it's really powerful. We shouldn't just skim over these greetings, but the, there's this sincere prayer for, for grace and peace to be to be flourishing through the Holy Spirit in these communities. And then, you know, just these really disarming uh, pastoral words of, you know, we see your steadfastness. Mm -hmm. We see your love. Mm -hmm. And we're really proud of it. You know, we were just telling this other city about you guys. And, um, you know, what a way to like set up a, a, a ground for admonishment and correction. Yeah, man, that's just so good. Um, I mean, there's not really much to add to that word, man. That's a really good word. But I am, I'm just kind of thinking about, um, this, this idea of boasting. Paul uses that word boast, um, quite a, quite a bit in his, in his letters. And it's never, um, a, a, an arrogant boasting or bragging. It's sure. always, I'm boasting, um, on behalf of the, I'm boasting either on the Lord or I'm boasting, um, in regards to what the Lord is doing in you. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I just think it, it's incredible to think of the connectedness of these churches. There's a, this isn't a lone ranger church and Paul isn't just isolated, you know, on one church here. He's, he's connected to all of these churches and all of these churches are mutually working together, mutually encouraging one another. And uh, I just think that's a really beautiful picture. And I'm thinking about how, you know, our church does, does that with our partners around the world. Mm -hmm. We have partners who are uh, pastoring, you know, all over the world. And we give report about what we see and hear about uh, the Lord doing in their lives, how the Lord's producing steadfastness and love and they're growing in grace um, in, in some difficult places all over the world. And so Paul just gives us this beautiful model of what it looks like to encourage the church about what God is doing in other churches mm -hmm. around the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that image of, you know, the priesthood of believers where, um, you know, we like a priest is somebody, it's like this intermediary figure between God and man. And the whole idea of like a kingdom of priests is awesome because it's like, we, we all can, you know, kind of help bridge the gap for one another. We can help, um, you know, testify, of God to one another and, and also lift one another up to the glory of God. And then that obviously plays outside of the church. Um, but we, we think often about, or maybe I, I think we think more often about, you know, kind of being priests for the sake of the lost. But I do think that it's important that the work that God is doing in individual lives and in individual, individual churches uh, has just a harvest of encouragement and upbuilding for people who are also walking with God. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, he, he specifically points out their faith and their love and that those things growing in tandem as they ought, uh, they've created the, this heart of steadfastness mm -hmm. that has prepared them to be persecuted. Mm -hmm. It's prepared them to face affliction. And, you know, that that's just a good word for us, you know, to kind of take with us is, uh, are, are we nourishing our faith and are we growing in love for others? Are, are we becoming less self-centered and more other-centered? And that'll actually be the thing. You know, we, we see like a world uh, where our the things that we believe, the values that we hold are more, you know, against the grain than maybe at other times in recent history. Um, and the way that we can be prepared uh, to sort of sit at the not cool kid lunch table is to be growing in our faith, 
and to be growing in love for one another. And that, that it, it creates that steadfastness, that the Holy Spirit works through those things to prepare us to face what, what the Lord would have for his glory. Amen. Amen. Well, Second Thessalonians is going to be good. Um, it's going to be awesome. And it's only going to get more, uh, more spicy and fun from here. So strap in and we'll see you for Billy Bean. We'll see you tomorrow on our Daily Rhythm. Thanks for listening to Our Daily Rhythm. I'm Jason Dees, one of the pastors of Christ's Covenant, and Our Daily Rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's Word. If you ever have a question for us about one of our Bible readings or one of your own Bible readings, please don't hesitate to text us at 404-465-1737. Again, that's 404-465-1737. Or email me directly at jason at christcovenant.com. We'll meet you again tomorrow for Our Daily Rhythm.